to Season 2, Episode 8 of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Panraj. In this podcast, we will speak with some of the leading voices in the field of inclusive entrepreneurship and learn from their best practices to apply in our own communities as practitioners. Today, we'll be speaking with Sri Sundaram, Dean of the K. Tiedemann School of Business and Finance at University of South Florida and Chair of the St. Petersburg Chamber of Commerce Board. Welcome, Sri. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate you having me on. So, Sri, tell us a little bit about the work you're doing today with USF and also with the St. Pete Chamber. Absolutely. I wore two hats. One is I'm responsible for all the finance programs across all three campuses. We have a Tampa campus, St. Pete, and, and the Sarasota Manatee. And we have about 800 plus undergraduate students and about 100 plus graduate students and 10 plus doctoral students. The second hat that I wear is a campus dean for the movement College of business at St. Petersburg. So here I support faculty, staff, and students uh, that are taking classes and attending the, the, you know, the program here in St. Petersburg. What I really enjoy about that is on the university side and on the community side, it's really been very involved with economic development, and especially as you talked about, an inclusive economic development, that's key. Uh, and, and it's really one of the special things about St. Petersburg and this community. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you start and what brought you to St. Pete, Florida? Oh, wonderful. Well, I, I won't go too far back. You know, so <clears throat> just going back a little bit, I came from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan after about 15 years there, um, you know, being in multiple uh, leadership role, but also as a faculty at Grand Valley State University. And uh, allowed me the opportunity to take out my first deanship uh, for the KT College of Business here in 2016. I can't believe it's five years, uh, but it's five years ago. Um, and, and I really looked at the community here. Um, one is I love the university. I thought we'll have a great opportunity to build a very strong um, college of business. The second aspect was looking at the community to say, how can we, you know, I philosophically believe that we have, as a university, we have to participate in the regional economic development. And especially being a dean of the college of business, I have to be in the forefront of helping that community with regional economic development. So I really reached out to the chamber and the you know, downtown partnership um, and the Economic Development Corporation. They welcomed me and uh, gave me opportunity to participate in it. Uh, so it's been wonderful to work with the various community partners here uh, towards a regional economic development. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of these programs uh, that you're working on? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm gonna break it down into two components of it. I said, one, um, you know, what I learned over the period of time is that any successful project, I think a, a key ingredient is going to be uh, collaborators and partners. And a successful one typically has um, your business partner, university partner, and a civic partner or city partner. Those things come together very much uh, in, a, in, in making a successful project work. In my, you know, back in Grand Valley State University, I wore a couple of different hats. One, I was a department chair for about seven years and really leading a finance department. But one of the things we understood was that we have to be connected to the business community, make sure we understand what their needs are, and also for them to be aware of what we're doing so that we can connect the, the, our academic side to the business community. Um, 
and and uh, the second role that I played as an associate dean is running and supervising eight centers, and that's that really gave me an opportunity. I was supervising the SBDC, both Michigan State uh, headquarters as well as the regional, and um, then we had a, a entrepreneurship center, a leadership center, etc. And so, really gave me an opportunity to see how a university can be a strong community partner, not only in thought leadership but also for outreach activities that support and bridge theory and practice. So that was my foundation coming in here. So when we were starting to build programs, one of the things I was very fortunate was 2017, we walked into a brand new building, the Linthrop Ninja Hall. You've seen it. <clears throat> it's a fantastic facility. Well, my goal was to open it up for our community partners to come and host their meetings here. And the idea was to really start to, for them to think about us as a resource. And it really worked out well. Just to give you before pre-pandemic, we would host about 100 plus events in our building uh, with not only our own events, but also with our collaborative partners. But slowly then I led to you know, the question about what can we do with the Chamber of Commerce? So I took on the role of Gross Water Initiative Chair in 2019. And as you know, Gross Water Initiative in St. Petersburg was an intentional strategy for economic development. They started in 2014 to say, no, let's identify the five sectors that we want to focus on. They identified financial services, um, you know, arts, marine science, life science, and data analytics. And um, what what I took on as chair, that already the foundation said, hey, it cannot be just identifying economic development, but we want to make sure all of St. Pete participates in that. So we really went back and said, our you know moral compass really helps us redefine our mission to say it has to be an equitable and inclusive economic development for the city. So that was the big change in the shift in the focus in 2019 is that not only we know the sectors, but let's make sure the policies allow us to bring all of this together. And if, in 2020, when we hit the pandemic, uh, under the leadership of Dr. Tishika Griffith and uh, uh, you know the manager, Jocelyn Howard, they did a fantastic job of deploying navigators into the, you know, uh, especially the underserved communities to support the businesses uh, they were really hit badly. So I think that really helped us with that. And a key partner in that was the Foundation for Healthy St. Pete, along with the Chamber uh, and the City of St. Petersburg. That was the, they were a key partner for us. So I think that was one of the critical aspects of what we were able to accomplish. And one of my passion was in entrepreneurship. Well, I've seen this, you know, uh, the Entrepreneurship Center was in Grand Valley. We did some really wonderful things for the city. So when I came here, I knew one of the things I wanted to have was the pitch competition. Uh, we used to do a you know five by five night every Monday, every or once a month. But here we that vision came true with the St. Pete Pitch Night, and now we're doing it four times a year. And as the popularity grows, my hope is to do you know every month. And the idea is for entrepreneurs and you know to know that they have a place to come and pitch. The second component now is to start to build more, bring in more capital to the, the, the to the community to make sure to how do we grow these businesses and provide them with the support to do that. So I think those are some of the things that we're starting to build. And as I look at the finance program and trying to you know, um, build on that, we're really all looking at a possible FinTech accelerator down the road. So those are some of the building blocks. Uh, and I'll let, let you ask other questions. It's fascinating, Sri, just to see the, the breadth of work that you're doing. So I have to ask the question, What's the inspiration? Uh, you know, was it your upbringing? 
what is the inspiration to to have this big focus on entrepreneurship and small business support? Was it something personal in your life? Because this is hard work and it's work that most of it you're not getting paid to do. <laughs> you're doing it uh, on your own initiative. So what is the, the inspiration? That's a great question, David. So you're absolutely right. I don't think I planned what I, you know, to be an academic. Uh, I came from a family business background. So my dad had a, a retail you know, electrical business and I came to the U.S. to do an MBA and go back and expand the business and run the business. So I was always there, ended up, um, but after I did a doctorate in finance, I kind of pivoted my career to more academic. But I think that, that um, bent of mind towards you know, um, business has always been there. And for me, so um, even as I'm an academic leader, I strongly believe that, you know, we have to be involved very closely with our business partners. Um, there is a great complementary skill set. The business partners are looking for optimal solution that they need to navigate right now. We in academia have the luxury of looking at a problem in a more deeper fashion and, and providing solutions. But a collaboration is a fantastic. You probably saw recently you know, um, Mumaka, the business had a leadership certificate during crisis, and now most recently, a certificate in diversity, inclusion, and um, and 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 uh, uh, equity that we're doing in um, partnership with some corporate partners. In we have over ninety thousand subscribers to that. It's for free. We're offering to the community, but that's the thing that I think is important. We are able to bridge the talent that we have from our corporate partners as well as our academic side of it and then offering something that can be really impactful to the community. And that, as you can see, that excites, you know, somebody like me uh, to see that ability to bring that, that make, a, make us a better world and, and help us move towards uh, doing something good for the community. Fascinating. So I'm going to move into some harder questions yeah. now. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your experience at St. Pete. Can you help us with, what is attractive about the city of St. Pete, along with what are some systemic challenges that you've taken on to help uh, specifically with the focus on helping people start businesses? Great question. And David, before I answer that, I have one more thing I want to go back and just talk about, you know, you talked about inspiration for entrepreneurship. You know, I, I cannot forget the fact that my college is named for Kate Tiedemann. Now, she came from Germany when she was 13, didn't speak a word of English. And, um, and, and came here, started to work uh, in, a, in, in New York as a secretary, and then eventually built a multi-million dollar business on high-end ophthalmological surgical instruments with over 1,200 SKUs. So, you know, um, that's the inspiration that I have is even as a benefactor, when you look at somebody like that and saying, you know, uh, this is the, who that is supporting us as a college, uh, that's an incredible you know, uh, inspiration. I have three wonderful people like that, you know, in Kate Tiedemann, uh, Ellen Cotton, and Lynn Peppinger. So I just wanted to make sure uh, I, I talked about that. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. Yeah, I've heard that before. It just every time I hear it, it amazes me, uh, you know, the humble beginnings and today the influence uh, her donation is having on, on thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of people. Right. Well, and her vision also is that one of the things I hear loud and clear from Kate is, uh, sure, you need to bring the business and uh, academia together. And that resonates and aligns with the way I think. And that comes to you, you know, to your question about what we're doing with uh, the St. Pete Chamber and uh, what is it about the city, the opportunities and the challenges? 
I think the opportunity, what I find about St. Pete is that there is that intangible feel, and I felt this in Grand Rapids, and I feel it here. Everybody wants to make this community better, the city better. That's you know the commitment that you see, and maybe it's the friendly uh, rivalry between Tampa and St. Pete that may, you know makes it even more pronounced. But the fact of it is that they really want to make that. I think the vibrancy of the community is as important as other aspects. So I think that's something that is very special about this community. The second, the challenge is that, you know, given our history, we have had issues with the race and, 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 um, and that has been a big prop, part of our history. So slowly but surely we've taken great steps towards bringing an equitable economic development. One example would be, you know, working closely with Gypsy Galata from one community. You know, she's taken on a very strong role with other community partners. There are multiple, you know, community partners done, but I'm just using her as an example. Various initiatives to decrease unemployment among the African-American society by over 30% in the last, you know, several years. That's a significant milestone for this community. So I think we have made the commitment, still work to do, and I think that's where now we are forming the Gross Motor Alliance, not only you know, moving that Gross Motor strategy into a more grander scale and saying, hey, we need to bring all community partners together if we are to really take on this challenge. The other thing what we realize is also, how do we make sure we leverage the assets we have? Rather than all of us go putting our money into advocacy and trying to go to you know, on a, a specific topic, whether it's transportation, which is critical for us, why not you know, be one entity that has all the support and the resources behind it to go after a big issue like transportation or affordable housing? So that's what we think is the next step is to continue to move in addressing the challenges at St. in St. Petersburg. So one of the uh, viewpoints that we have is entrepreneurship is about wealth creation and breaking generational poverty. Uh, can you talk to us, uh, so beyond housing and, and transportation, uh, is there programs that the city is offering, especially to underrepresented uh, entrepreneurs, uh, to break this the cycle of poverty? Is there access to capital? Is there technical assistance programs? The, the things that always bubble up to the top that stand as barriers to small businesses? It's a very good point. And I'm going to take two parts to it, David. Is that the first part is, um, you know, you highlight a critical aspect of it. So we're studying right now doing a research on micro-businesses on the uh, African-American community and how they were impacted during the pandemic. And more specifically, the reason for the study was to look at and say, you know, what are the policies that were developed to react to this, whether it's the CARES Act or at the state level and the county level, whether effective in addressing the concerns of the micro-businesses. And the way we define micro is very simply, five employees or less, you know, we define that. What we're finding out in the study, and again, the preliminary stages is that um, majority of these small businesses, especially in the underserved community, could not participate effectively in the CARES Act because of lack of documentation, because of lack of uh, you know, uh, other things that they needed to qualify. So one is really now working with them. And what I think uh, we call it as the street team, it's the thing that we realize also is the structure is just you and I going and trying to help the community, not necessarily they're going to be open to talking to us because we haven't earned the trust yet. So how do we make sure we work with community members that are already there, train them to be good navigators and supporters, 
for whom, you know, the, the others are neighbors or people that they know. So they open up and talk about, I don't have a checking account or we have not done the audited statements, you know, and, and making sure that we can do the necessary things to help support them grow. The second part is you talked about wealth, you know, the wealth creation. It's so critical. In all of these businesses, it may not be the primary, it may be a supplementary income. So somebody, maybe one person in the household is already working, this brings an additional income, and that elevates their quality of living, especially investment in the next generation for education, so on and so forth. So I think it's so critical to make sure we are able to reestablish that, um, the opportunity for them to continue the business, sustain the business. A couple of things that's done. One is on the supplier diversity. Whether it's a USF or multiple corporations here, as you know, they really have taken a very strong step in, in, towards making sure we provide access to, especially business of underserved in a community, to make sure they participate in in the supplying in, in the supplier uh, uh, pool of suppliers that serve any of the large corporations of the university. That's one of the steps. The second step is really working at you know, how do we make sure now, whether it's gender-based or other entrepreneurial efforts we can support? So we are in some conversation with the Foundation for Healthy St. Pete to see how we can support them. And as you know, Grow Smarter, one of the, the key funders is uh, the Foundation for Healthy St. Pete. So they already are supporting it, but more specifically about supporting entrepreneurs, because you're absolutely correct, wealth creation is going to be key, whether it's in the form of them having owning a business, owning a home, Whatever it may be, it has an impact for generations to come. This is brilliant because we just did the exact same study, Shri, in Detroit. And we did the same thing for micro businesses, uh, defined them as five and under. We also looked at, so we had about 70% of the respondents, five and under. And then when we looked at nine and under, which is the federal micro business definition, 90% of our respondents were there. And we reached almost the same conclusions in that the uh, IDLE and PPP most of the underrepresented uh, entrepreneurs applied at fewer rate, so less than 60 or 70%. In fact, for PPP, we found that they had applied at less than 40% uh, compared to the national average of 70%, and then the approval rates was less than 50%. So about 20% of Black entrepreneurs got access to PPP, which uh, at $100,000 is forgivable. So think about how much money they left on the table, even though over 50% of all respondents said that the number one uh, problem was access to capital. So, right, it's not just having the money, it's that trusted relationship in the community. Uh, Two-thirds of the people who applied uh, had documentation, one-third had no documentation, so that could have affected approval rates. Um, These systemic challenges, uh, you know, keep bubbling up, and therefore, you know, I think that... um, these are all uh, challenges that we're all solving across the country. And I'm fascinated to hear that St. Pete is also proactively uh, addressing these. Uh, can we speak just for one more moment, a little bit more deeper? Because what we found that for micro businesses, some of them needed even less than $25,000. Like the amount of money they needed, some were less than $10,000 of capital needed, where the amount is so low that it disincentivizes or does not incentivize these loan providers because they can't deal with this volume and they get paid based on the size of the loan. Have you all stood up any capital infrastructure to address the needs of the micro businesses? So, you know, one of the things what we learned, David, was that uh, here, again, 
Um, you know, so some of the many of these businesses, I'll give you another example is childcare, right? So Home-based businesses do not qualify. And so it was really the city grants that we were able to uh, change the policy so that these businesses could qualify at least for the thousand, five thousand dollar grants, and and not at the federal level, but at least at the city level, and pushing towards. I think where we need advocacy and legislative changes is going to be at least at the city and the federal uh, state level, if we can make sure that our policies on reaction to disasters are going to be supportive to these more as grants and just say, okay, if we know you're a legitimate business, whatever the minimum qualifications are, then let's make sure we provide you a certain amount so we can sustain that business for a period of time. I think it's money well spent because you and I realize is that if they can't survive, the cost to the society is much more than providing those grants. And I know people may be critical in talking and saying, oh, we want a rigorous approval process. And I agree, in an ideal setting, that's what we want. But when I look at the social cost of that compared to the economic uh, you know, uh, cost that we can provide to these families, I think the argument is compelling to say, let's make sure we provide the grants with a certain amount of minimum qualifications and that's what the city of St. Petersburg did. And I was very you know, glad to see the mayor and the deputy mayor work closely with the community partners to make that available. A hundred percent. In fact, one of the things that I am amazed by in terms of uh, rules that don't meet um, the reality on the ground is for PPP, you have to have your 2020 taxes done. <laughs> A lot of small businesses automatically, you know, would, would throw their hands up and say, well, that's documentation we don't have. Yeah, and, and a lot of them, as I said, these home-based businesses, you know, were not, some of them were not registered because it is not that they don't, you know, so it gets a little tricky, right? I mean, and so those challenges, and that's where we felt that I think having, working with those NGOs that are already there in the community were a successful way to, you know, approach it rather than us trying to, you know, trying to provide and say, and we're there to help. But what we thought was important to find people there in the community and train them and then deploy them to make this a successful you know, uh, way to uh, road to recovery. So let me ask you uh, the, the next logical question here is where are you headed? How do you measure success? Are there metrics? Is there a five-year plan? Is there a way for you all to measure uh, the impact you're making? Again, very good question. So what we're really looking at is now greenhouse is starting to develop a, a, you know, that, as you know, is a partnership between the city and the chamber. So they are the door for, you know, entrepreneurship here in the city of St. Petersburg. So they're going to be developing a clear set of metrics, the jobs that they created, the capital they were able to raise and all the other things uh, that we were able to provide. And I think that's what we're going to need to have because if we don't measure it, then we're not doing it. And I think it's important for us to make sure we're accountable uh, for the investment and time and effort we make. But also then we celebrate those successes so people understand, yes, we have done things and impacted in a positive fashion in the community. And I think that's going to be very important for us to be able to do that going forward. And on the uh, on the uh, uh, university side, I think we we really have a clear set of metrics um, societal impact is an important metric for us now for accreditation purposes. So everything we do, whether it's uh, offering the certificate or uh, supporting the uh, St. Pete Fish Night, and as I said, we really are, I'm looking at very closely working with 
bringing a fintech accelerator. There'll be a community accelerator, but we will be a key component of tying the academic side to that. I think those are all going to be key metrics for us as we go forward, saying, you know, uh, how many business we brought in, how much of our students are participating in it, and if there are any patents that come out of it, then that will be important for the university. So those are the kind of metrics we're looking at building and a dashboard that will probably be in the next few months. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, one of the things that we know COVID has permanently changed, uh, among other things, uh, it's changed the way we learn, uh, but it's also yeah. changed the way we bank, for sure. <laughs> uh, and I think, Absolutely. Right? There's a lot of innovation yet to be had, and I think uh, a fintech accelerator sounds uh, fascinating and could kind of uh, build on the rich uh, set of resources the city already offers. Now, I just want to add to that saying that, you know, um, knowing, as you see, insurance is a huge part of what our business here. Financial planning is, you know, and, and, and banking is a huge part of it. Having FIS, PSCU that are serving credit unions and, and banks. Um, so there are such rich, uh, you know, this thing here, uh, growth of firms. Uh, I think the opportunity is there. And I think finding the right model to build that is going to be critical for us. So we'll switch to a fun part of this. Uh, it might be fun for me, but might be a little bit of a hot spot for you. Uh, so uh, from all of the pitches you've heard so far, what are like two pitches that stood out to you that you could share as stories uh, from the St. Pete Pitch Nights? I personally love every one of those. And I, you know, mark my calendar to show up just to hear the passion and the ideas. But uh, it's the hot spot for you because people who hear it will think you're biased. So... <laughs> Uh, but I would love to hear uh, your take uh, on a couple of businesses that stood out to you just for our practitioners to understand the power of something like this in rallying the community. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm going to answer in a very diplomatic fashion, David, but, uh, you know, all pitches are winners, right? But I think I'll answer your question in two ways. One is that what shocked me and surprised me is the variety of pitches. And um, the and I, I'll give you the the most recent example of the pitch uh, that won this uh, this last one uh, was this uh, young um, you know entrepreneur women entrepreneur uh, who you know their family had purchased a, a big orchard and is converting that orchard into more of a yoga and a health related healthy living related business and is successfully you know uh, pursuing that and doing a great job and the business has grown especially during the pandemic you know, times. And uh, she had some great growth ideas of, you know, of starting that. So you hear you know, pitches like that. And on the other extreme, you're looking at uh, the same you know, pitch night. We had uh, another pitch that was made about how we're able to look at, and I think you may know this business, you know, uh, automated way to support entrepreneurs. And it's a voice activated, you know, uh, uh, it's in capacity for this, you know, an entrepreneur to say, hey, I need these, these, these things to be done. And having a portfolio of vendors where, you know, the, uh, uh, the particular service can organize those vendors to take care of your activities. Therefore, you as an entrepreneur can focus on what really me, uh, it matters, which is the business itself. So looking at those two extremes to say, you know, one is really focused on, uh, much more a lifestyle and a healthy this thing, and the other one is really focused on the entrepreneur. Um, I think those are the kind of things that when I look at it and say, that's what is fun about this. The richness of the various entrepreneurs are coming and pitching, 
And the last one I'll talk about is the previous time, uh, uh, you know, the, the Patriots either said it won, was a bookstore. You know, in today's world, we never think a bookstore could be, but it's a community-based bookstore that has an important role to play, both from an education perspective, but also from a social perspective. And that entrepreneur, for her to tell the story, uh, was another you know, perfect opportunity for us to bring this you know, through the St. Pete Pitch Night. And for me, I think that's the celebration of the richness. And the more entrepreneurs can see that any of these, I can be in any of these spaces and be able to pitch in the St. Pete Pitch Night, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I love the, the all those pitches. And I think in that story about the orchard, I think even like scientists from USF came to study the diversity of the uh, of that land, which was fascinating to start out by having this piece of land and now innovating and being a true entrepreneur, she's able to make a real business out of it. Exactly. You're right. I think she had a, I think she was uh, basically said her trees were the only ones that were not infected by a certain yeah. thing. And so that's where you know, the, the USF researcher studied to see what is it about that particular orchard that, and why is it that those trees are being saved while others are getting infected? But that's the, you know, that's the fun part of it, right? You start off somewhere, but it, it, because you're passionate about it, but then this grows into a business, and now it's a, a full-fledged business for her and, and for her family. So. Yeah, and I'll I'll just say one last bit about uh, the pitch night. What I love is how every one of those pitches end with the entrepreneur saying why they chose Saint Pete and why they uh, believe that that's the best place for them to start a business, uh, which is also amazing that they they highlight the fact that the city was giving them the infrastructure to start and grow. Exactly right. And it's, uh, you know, it's absolutely true is that, as I said, the partnership with, you know, the chamber, the business, the city and the university, if we can bring those partners together, I think it would be fantastic. Um, by the way, so, you know, I wanted to also to, just to bring, so this year's theme, uh, when I became the chair, I said that very simply to the chamber board, the theme is inspire. So anything we do, anything, you know, there are a lot of uh, inspirational stories around us. And, um, you know, and you know, talking about entrepreneurial, um, it, it's really Alex Harris, you probably heard, you know, know Alex, uh, uh, is a wonderful singer, but he has the uh, Academy for Teens where he brings in arts to help them grow as a, you know, as a teens. And so we had this young lady, uh, Kennedy, who came uh, and we opened up our last board meeting and uh, reading a Maya Angelou poem. And it was absolutely inspirational. And I think that's part of what I, I'm hoping for, David, is that you know, we keep inspiring you know, folks here, whether it's entrepreneurs or others in the city of St. Petersburg, because it, it is a, it, it's a fantastic place to live and, and fantastic place to do business. But more importantly, I think we are all focused on growing the community as a whole. And uh, we need more inspirational stories like that. Oh, that, that that's incredible. So uh, before we close, I have uh, one last question. Yeah. Um, if you are a practitioner of ecosystem building or helping with economic development, you're just getting into the space. If you look back at your time, are there one or two uh, things that you would have done differently or one of two things that you've written down saying, I'm glad I did this so that our practitioners can continue to grow and, and learn? Great question, David. I think you're solving one of the problems for me. You know, So in the previous community, one of the realization what we had is 
we had so many organizations that were supporting small businesses and entrepreneurs. I think we wanted to make sure, again, a lot of times we talk about entrepreneurs, but in reality, what we're talking about is all small businesses, whether you're starting or you, you know, you started already have a business, it still is a day to day, it's survival, you know, that perhaps. So how do you make sure we bring all of those organizations together in a, in a place where entrepreneur, you know, small business have access, access to them? So thanks to you and Startup Space for allowing us to do that. The, the second important thing for us to bring to the community is going to be capital. I think continue to bring more private capital is going to be critical. And the way we need to do that is going to be, you know, um, there are multiple partners doing, but for, you know, using St. Pete Fishland as an example, the opportunity for, you know, any uh, of the businesses that have uh, successfully received the $5,000, put them in an accelerator or recommend them to a program where they have to meet certain metrics that they do. In six months, they can come back for another $25,000. And, and the same thing is in, in maybe in a year, if they meet certain metrics, they can come back for 50000 The ability to help them grow and create the pipeline is going to be critical for us. So I think that's going to be the next step for us is how do we create a pipeline of businesses so we are able to provide the necessary capital to give them a solid foundation to grow in, the, in this community. That's, that's fascinating. Uh, and we would love to have you back. Uh, in a while to talk about uh, the impact that these businesses have had and the the infrastructure and support you're going to be providing uh, to grow and scale these businesses. Uh, to close, could you share with our practitioners how they can find you and follow you on social media or, or get in touch with you? Absolutely. I'm happy to share. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's the main uh, place where I'm active in. And again, I'm my full name is Sridhar Sundaram. And uh, I am with the University of South Florida, Dean, uh, Dean for the KT Edelman School of Business and Finance. You can reach me anytime uh, or you can find me on the, on the USF website. So feel free to reach out to me and I'm happy to talk to you both from a community perspective as well as from a university perspective. Thank you. Thank you, Sri, for joining us today. Thank you very much, David. I really appreciate the conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners hosted by David Polraj. Special thanks to Sri Sundaram for joining us. Cover art by show manager and creative director Mackenzie Dial Fritcher. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at startupspace.app. All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.